0: Welcome to If the Couch Could Speak. I am your host, Jessica Ehrman, licensed marriage and family therapist and owner of Happy Little Brains Family Therapy Incorporated. Look, we fancy over here. Ooh, you fancy! I have an amazing co-host here today. Hey, y'all. It's your girl, Carissa.
1: (laughs) Y'all didn't see me all of y'all day ones. Y'all have seen me with this gaming chair. You didn't think I wasn't going to be here today. Did you not? Come on now. Come on now.
0: (laughs) I mean, so, Uh, so today is a special episode because we have the two geek therapists to talk about geek therapy. So it's a little bit more intimate, but we're going to do a deep dive into what is Geek Therapy? How do we do it? How does it work? Right. So, Carissa, do you want to get started? What is Geek Therapy?
1: Absolutely. So Geek Therapy in a nutshell, because I want to break it down. It's not exclusive to one specific thing, right? It's basically like a community. It's a lovely, healthy community of therapists or people within the field. You don't have to be a therapist, you could be a mental health advocate, you could be a teacher, you could be all these different professions that work and are of service, right? That are trying to use geek therapy, okay? What is geek therapy? It's the popular use of media, In a therapeutic and educational community way okay so that could be video games as a media right that could be superheroes we're talking about our favorite superheroes it could be board games like our DD players like there are people that are using these methods in a therapeutic way to help people with their mental health and so it's not just one thing i don't want you guys to think of geek therapy as like, oh, this is geeks, this is nerds, or oh, they only talk about video games, or oh, they only talk about d or oh, they only talk about, you know, Marvel and superheroes. No, it's all of those things. And each of us in this professional field, we use it to help us meet our goals with our clients, whether we're a therapist or whatever else part of the field.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And the way I like to say it, it's because I hear all the time, they're like, oh, do I have to be a geek? Do I have to be a nerd? Or if I tell someone I'm a geek therapy, it's kind of funny. I get different reactions mm. in the sense that when people find out I'm a female gamer, it's usually like, oh, do you know this game? It's a lot of gatekeeping. And it's like, oh, you're a girl. Yeah. Or I get hit on <laughs> as I'm playing and people hear me on the mic. Or, you know, it's just challenged the whole time. And when I tell people I'm a video game therapist, totally different, different discussion. It's usually, oh, you say video game? What's that? So I, I focus mainly on video games and gaming. Now they like Carissa said, it's also board games. It's tabletops, it's MMORPGs, first person shooters, Roblox. There's so many more. And if you want to kind of hear more about how I use Roblox and animal costing in particular, there is the recording up on this channel on this YouTube, but coming up, there's going to be the therapeutic and applied geek and Gaming Summit, which is going to be this year in June. I presented last year in April, but I'm hoping to talk about grief and Animal Crossing. But there are different summits where you can hear and learn about all the amazing things. Speaking of, I will not be here on the next episode because I will be on a panel at WonderCon talking about talking about nerds with PTSD and how we use gaming and geek therapy in a therapeutic setting. So the way I like to explain it is my clients all have their own interests. They all have their own hobbies, but a lot of my clients do happen to be neurodivergent, but also a lot of my clients, I don't know if this goes hand in hand, which we'll get into a little bit more later when we go into the neuropsychology, but most of my clients are gamers. Now, I grew up in the 90s generation where we had this huge technology boom. I was all about the Tamagotchis and whatnot, but I joined the virtual worlds of my clients. And by joining my virtual worlds of my clients, whether it be Among Us, whether it be Animal Crossing, whether it be Roblox, Call of Duty, not only am I getting to know them in their world, speaking their language, but I use the video game as a therapeutic intervention in and of itself. If I have a kiddo who's having a really, really hard time with frustration tolerance, we'll play a hard puzzle game to practice that together. I can teach them all the things in the world that I want to, but the video games provide us that hands-on exploration together. I also can see what does their avatar look like. Is it similar to how they present themselves in the outside world? For clients who maybe don't have a safe space at home or need a place to comfortably grieve, they can have that in games like Animal Crossing. So for me, I'm still doing therapy, but not only am I making it fun, I'm making it more approachable and I'm speaking my client's language all by joining them in that virtual world. What about you, Chris? how do you do it?
1: For me, it kind of depends on what client I'm dealing with, really. So as a geek therapist, one of the things that I first entered geek therapy was with role-playing, right? So I worked with kids with autism and I used role-playing as like favorite superheroes like Batman and Robin, or we use like Teen Titans, um, stuff like that, where we would pick characters and we would role-play together and when we were learning the um the things that i was trying to teach the kid like okay like we look both ways before we cross the street because like i said that was a kids with autism like what would batman say they're like look both ways i'm like yeah batman would say look both ways right and then like if they experienced emotions and we were talking about superheroes we'd be like oh you know what did you feel angry when you dropped your ice cream that was like the hulk right like I'm super mad Hulk smash. Right. And like getting them all enthusiastic and being able to identify through role-playing through those characters that they really liked and they really loved and they really enjoyed watching. Right. So that was my first ever entry into the geek therapy realm was through role playing and using those superhero characters. Uh, As far as like gaming, I've always been a gamer my entire life. I grew up as a gamer. I tell people this all the time and they're like, oh my god, your family sounds dope as fuck. And I'm like, we were dope as fuck. I grew up playing Mortal Kombat. Like, I grew up playing Like Like, I grew up You guys to know like this was not a fucking game like we soul caliber oh, tech yeah. and dynasty warriors like what what we were always playing we played together right and some of my old gs out there maybe you guys remember those sh- first person shooter games where you could actually use like the guns
0: oh the duck hunter ones or the yeah, ones like the, the duck hunter yeah. ones or the zombie
1: ones in the arcade right that we word. actually had the Area 51.
0: Yeah, those home. alien motherfuckers were scary.
1: Yes, <laughs> and, and, my, and my sister and I could not pass the level. We'd be like, mom, dad, help us get to the mothership. And that was like the the beautiful, like my mom, and dad just stood up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's up, let's go. Let's Talk go, we get bonding. to the mothership.
1: Like, oh my God, it was a thing. And the biggest one that I loved was The Sims. Yo, do you know how many friends I, I made off the Sims? The creativity Sims. of it. And it's, oh my God. And it's so, oh my God. We knew all the, oh, for all of you guys who paid for the expansions, we knew the songs by heart. Like even now, it's like a runny joke. Like somebody will start off the Sims song, and will be and it, like. It's
0: funny. Like our brains can bring that up no problem. Yet yeah, when it comes to studying for like exams or grad school, like you know what I'm
1: saying? Like it's a whole different ball.
0: <laughs> <laughs> My brain can hold on to so many lyrics and like Sims you know songs. What I'm it's not even funny. And I but... love
1: that you brought up grief though, because the Sims in particular, I actually had this client one time where we talked about a, a close friend that died. And I talked about like, you know, what would it be like if you were to create your friend in the Sims, like how would they live? Ooh. And so they did and they, they were like, oh, I did it. I created their little beach house and I got them their little outfit. And I got them their little dog. And it's like, I think of them now, like as happy on the beach living with their dog. And I was like, that's beautiful.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I do that with my clients as well, because I work with kids, teens, adults, and a lot of my clients, especially during the pandemic, they used animal crossings. So yeah. for them, it really is that safe place. For me, I wasn't able to mourn my colleague who passed away because she passed away in July of 2020 and we weren't in the office at that same time, around that same time, I had my family dog pass away. So I needed a place that I could visit because you know, I still don't know if she had a funeral or not. We don't have a special area for the doggy. So mm-hmm. I wanted to create that. And I wanted to have kind of a routine where the whole world was in chaos. So it was really, really helpful for me to create a memorial area where I went online, got QR codes, had little pictures of them, had the tombstone. It's this nice secluded area on my island that I can visit every single day. I can make a routine out of it. And for clinicians listening or for those who want to use Animal Crossing with grief, I have a blog on my website, happylittlebrains.com that explores that. But I love how you brought up role-playing as well. So, I mean, as a 90s kid, I played with my Game Boy and whatnot, but I didn't know that there were other people who were geeks like I was until I started LARPing. Now, I'm not going to share the name of the LARP because it was very toxic. A lot of broken stairs, which is going to be a topic for another episode, but I loved LARPing. And for those listening who are like, what the fuck is LARPing? It's live action role play. And for me, it was cathartic because I was shy. At that time, I didn't know I was autistic and sucked at social cues. But it was really hard for me to be social. But when I was a character, when I was my post-apocalyptic badass, I was a doctor. I was the head of the hospital in the entire game. And I was very combative. I was very like grunge nineties vibe, but like unapologetically loud about it. My weapon was a foam guitar that I would beat the crap out of people with. It was so fun. And I was able to embrace that. I was able to embrace that person and be super outgoing when I normally wasn't. And that started to bleed a common word that we use in gaming and yeah. in like D and or LARPing bleed is when game starts affecting real life and vice versa. It bleeds into each other. But I started having positive bleed, which yes, does exist. And my positive bleed was I started becoming more outgoing and I started meeting new people. And that's actually how I met my best friend again. Hi, Bessie. But um, I didn't know you could do something with it. So you kind of talked about how you got into using video game therapy. For me, I started with board games. I used to do school-based counseling where we only had 30 minutes to get the kiddo engaged, talk about some hard shit sometimes, like, oh, your dad died. Um, Let's talk about it and get you wrapped up in a pretty bow and send you back to class without being a sobbing mess. Good luck, unless you're awesome and know how to do gaming therapy. That's not a dig at other modalities. Let me make that clear. Um, But I had to think of a way to quickly engage kiddos, talk about topics, but have them in a, a place where they'd be able to continue on in class. Cause I was seeing them midday or they'd be pulled out of classes. So I was like, you know, I have a Monopoly game board. I have all these game boards. Why not play games with them? So it started with Uno, which is like every therapist's bread and buddy. Uno! I love Uno. I come for blood. I, I get asked all the time. Oh, do you play easy? Cause they're kids. Fuck that shit. Draw four motherfucker. I don't care if you're sick. <laughs> um, and they're brutal too, dude. Kids are brutal. When you play no mercy, they come for blood. But I started playing life to practice, you know, cause and effect consequences of our decisions. And then I started playing what I call therapy monopoly, which is one of my favorite ones that I use to this day, where each color slot is a different topic. And if we land on it, it's up to them if they want to ask me a question, if they want to answer a question, but the topic is there. So I'm not super directed in that sense. And it gives them a lot more freedom to take it where they want it to. And I do that with adults. I do that with kids. I do that with teens, but then COVID hit. And I've shared on this podcast before, my selectively mute kiddo, who still holds a very near and dear place to my heart, but All of my kiddos were like, Ms. Jessica, Ms. Jessica, Miss Jessica, do you play Roblox? I'm like, the fuck is Roblox? (laughs) Like, no. But then I had the kiddo who was selectively mute and that's all he played. And I was like, dude, I can't play Monopoly via telehealth. Like I didn't know that document cameras and online Monopoly exist. now I do. But at that time we had literally a day to switch to telehealth and none of us knew what we were doing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to join this game, but I'm going to have them teach me. Mm. And that's the key. A lot of clinicians are like, I don't know how to do video game therapy. I'm not great at gaming. I'll tell you a secret. Neither am I. Now, some games I'm really fucking good at, but some of my kiddos would be like, no, you're not got gotta stop lying. But there's some games I'm really bad at. I am notorious for sucking at aiming like bad bad especially in first person a for effort i'm more of a resource hoarder you know i'm more of a healer yeah. but all the kids i play with want to go in guns a-blazing and they're like miss jessica stop dying and i'm like i oh, sorry but you don't have to be good at it the best uh, way to be great at therapy using these modalities is invite your clients to teach you. Now I'm not saying go in completely blind because it's really not our client's job to teach us how to do our job. And that's not what I'm saying. Familiarize yourself with the game, but invite them to show you their world. And yeah. I promise you, rapport will be fucking phenomenal.
1: Absolutely. And and I think that's key, the key thing that you're talking about is connection. Exactly. Right? And understanding like if your kid that you're working with or your teen or your whatever is really into gaming, then you got to meet them where they're at. If they're really into like comic books or they're really into D&D or they're really into Magic the Gathering, whatever, you got to figure out how to meet them where they are so that you build that. That's instant built rapport.
0: But taking it beyond that, a lot of clinicians will meet clients where they're at with it and just talk about it. Yeah. Fuck that. Take it a step further. Join them. Bring up their favorite comic. Watch Inside Out together. I still need to watch Turning, Turning Red. Turning Red. I think it just came out, right? I, I need to watch it. All my kiddos are talking about it. I need to watch it. But- do your homework. If you expect your clients to do their homework, do yours, but bring it into session. If they're talking about, you know, this really awesome YouTube video, watch it together, explore what they like about it. Ask them questions, right? Because that's part of our client's world. We're doing a disservice by not joining them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: and also recognizing like gaming in and of itself, it would just be, it would be the same if you had a kiddo or a teen or a client that was into like, you know, music or that was really into like reading. Like it wouldn't be a big deal for you to be like, oh, I've read that book. What did you like? Who's your favorite character, right? It would be a big deal for you to be like, oh, I like that that uh, group too. What's your favorite song, right? So it's n- it's not that big of a deal for gaming either. Like you can do this, it's super simple, super easy, and it will really build your rapport with your client if that's something that they're really into. But we can't talk about video games without thinking about
0: the elephant in the room, video game addiction. Video game addiction. I get asked this question all the time. Well, what about video game addiction? My kids playing video games all day long, I think they're addicted to it, right? So let's explore this. Do you wanna? Do you wanna yeah. explore the elephant first, or shall I jump in?
1: I do want to explore the elephant first. I definitely do. I want to explore it in the it, by having the disclaimer. Like I said, I grew up with games. It wasn't. It wasn't. There was no negative connotation in, in my household growing up with gaming. Uh, my family we played together, and then as the games kind of got more uh, advanced, not so much. Right, but we still played the older ones together, and like my family would still watch us play games, even the ones like they're like, "Oh, we can't do the <laughs> the PlayStation controller with the dual <laughs> the dual stick. That's too much." But we'll watch you, um, and they they thought it was so fun, like. They loved watching, like you know, uh, d- us play different games. They loved seeing the characters on the screen. It was like movie night, but it was just like watching somebody play that game, and it was like a movie, right? Um, so I let people know that up front because I feel like it's it would be a disservice to not, um, you know, share that before I talk about how I see gaming. Um, gaming addiction is real. There are people out there that. They have an addiction. And when I, w- I wanna be very careful about this. When I say addiction, I mean that this thing takes up their life. They're not able to eat, may not even be able to sleep. They isolate themselves. That's what an addiction looks like where it consumes all aspects of your life, personal and professional. Now, if something consumes your life, whether that's alcohol, gambling, drugs, whatever, right? Then we're saying, okay, this is an addiction, right? But if it's not, then we need to be clear about it's not, right? Okay, so video game addiction, I'm not gonna sit here and say like it doesn't exist. There are people that have taken it to the extreme where they're not using, like there was some person that I think they they said like barely went to the restroom. Um, like it was like they really really were like stuck in that space and I'm I don't want people to feel like we're we're discouraging or like we're we're we're, we're not on video games because I'm a, I'm a proud video gamer like I am um, but I also recognize the people that maybe they don't feel that way because their experience was they had a loved one or a family friend that was consumed and that colored their vision of what video games were to them, right? And so, yes, it does exist. And there are some extreme cases. There are some outliers, right? But if your kiddo is playing video games after school, right, but they still got good grades, they still take out the trash, they're still talking to you and their siblings, Maybe we're not talking about video game addiction. And maybe what we're talking about is something is missing that they are filling the void with through video games. Right? And I wanna be very, very clear with this because a long, 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 long time ago, I'm not sure how long ago, but there was this thing about gangs, right? And they did this whole documentary about why people joined gangs and how the gangs were ruining the cities of LA and all of this stuff. And they interviewed the people and they said, I grew up in a a horrible childhood. Like I didn't have anybody that loved me or took care of me. The gang did. So I joined the gang. Those people wanted some place to belong. And your kid? If they are doing this consistently after school, but they're still doing everything else that they're supposed to be doing, there might be something that's missing. What's your relationship like with said teen or kiddo, right? Was there a recent divorce? And it doesn't have to be recent. It could have been three or four years ago, right? And the kid is coping with that event through gaming. Maybe they don't have friends at school and they're creating friends online, right? Maybe they moved to a new school. Maybe their grandma or their grandpa passed away and they don't know how to handle it, right? Maybe COVID made them scared and anxious to be around people and they don't know how to communicate because yes, there was a new normal created and now there's a new idea of how we even interact with each other right there's the camp of i don't care and there's the camp of oh i'm still worried let me let me not do this i can't do certain things right and so understanding that and being able to recognize that that gaming world whatever it is whether it's minecraft whether it's uh, you know, Mass Effect, which is that's the game I have here, people, for those of you who don't know, but those of you who see it and recognize that's Femme Shepherd, Yes, it is. <laughs> Femme Shepherd all the way. <laughs> but like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, if that's the space where they found friends, where they found somebody that they can talk to, where they found a sense of belonging, of course, they're going to play it more often. Of course, it's a relational connection that they are seeking and it's being met through that game.
0: Absolutely. I'm happy that you you touched on that because that's one of the biggest points that I highlight when I psychoeducate parents on. And I ask, what does your kid get out of gaming? And typically the ones who are fighting me the hardest on addiction is, I don't know. Yeah. Get to know your kid. Right? And the best thing that I recommend to parents who have that outlook is sit down with your kid, game with them. You don't have to know what you're doing. Again, ask them to show you, trust me, your kid's gonna freaking love you. That's what I do all the time with the kids that I work with. And parents are like, oh my God, I've never heard this kid talk so much because I'm joining them in their world let's be real how many adults give a shit about the games that kids are playing a lot of the times like oh it's boring it's a little kid game just just sit with your kids right because like you said Krista kids are dealing with the pandemic too just as much as we are struggling imagine suddenly you're in school then you're not then you're back in school. Then you have to wear masks. Then you don't. Then restaurants are open. Then they're not. It's so many changes. And imagine being a kid yeah. during that. And then for some of the people that I work with, some of the kids, they're also going through puberty on top of that. So the normal weird shit that goes in your body that you're trying to adjust to, add the pandemic on top of that. And like you said, Krista, a lot of, people go to gaming for that solidarity, for that sense of community. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's a place where they can go without judgment with, without the strong societal standards and pressure. Right. So with games, I personally use them to practice frustration tolerance, to practice multi-step processes, creative thinking, like, oh, I wish I had my phone with me, but oh, I do. Oh, I could show you it real big. But basically over this last week, I worked with my teens, with my adults, with my kids. And like I said, most of the people I work with are neurodivergent. And what I did is I pulled up a fun subreddit um, called Sketch Daily, where there's different prompts. So I would encourage my clients, I want you to draw this prompt. So it's challenging them to step outside the box, to think creatively, but also flex their cognitive muscles. So for clients who have all or nothing thinking, who might be neurodivergent, where it's hard to try new things, something as simple as drawing something silly is still therapeutic because therapy, wait, wait, hold up. There you go. Doesn't have to be boring. You can make therapy fun. I've, I've waited so long for that moment. Yes. But what I did, I'm going to show some examples. One of the prompts was angry butterfly. Oh, it's so cute. Another prompt was eyeballs in the closet. But my favorite one, my favorite one, one of my teen clients rolled or came up with For me, Einstein and Lady Gaga. (laughs) I went there. I went there. That's so cute. But this is an example of where I'm meeting my clients where they're at. A lot of my clients are creatives. A lot of my clients have a hard time getting out of that creativity block. So I joined them. I drew right along with them, right? But touching on video game addiction, fun fact. Us therapists, I was going to, I'm used to my books being right here. I moved everything around, but us therapists use this giant ass book called the DSM. It's the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual of Mental Health Disorders. That is what psychiatrists use, therapists alike to diagnose mental health issues. There you go. It's huge. You want to show the side of it? Huge. It's huge. For our exam, we have to memorize that thing. And yeah. the treatments and the theories behind it. It's a lot. But nowhere in there will you find video game addiction. Yep. Nowhere. It is an ICD, but you have to look at who funded these studies, the research behind it, why it was created. But And that's a whole another topic for another podcast of the correlation or lack thereof between video games and violence. But I get asked all the time, well, my kid has a hard time coming off the video games. They're playing all day long. Now, yes, all those factors that we just talked about aside, right? They're practicing, working their creative muscles, their flexible thinking, working out puzzles, you know, all these wonderful things, socialization, responsibility, self-care consequences. They're doing that in these games, but it's masked as a game, right? Like with first-person shooter game, you're practicing hand-eye coordination. But with these games, because they're so interactive with sights, sounds, moving, a lot of them are in first-person or you're working with a team, you're getting this increase in dopamine. Now, dopamine is the chemical in a lot of substances. Substances will boost your serotonin, your happy chemical, dopamine, the pleasure chemical. So, when you have pleasure and happy, the brain's going to be like, Hell yes, I love this. Especially for individuals, if they're already in therapy, chances are they have anxiety, they have depression, they have trauma. Or if you're like me, you get all of them in one. But we also have our neurodiverse clients, those who, like I said, have ADHD, your dopamine levels are already lower. With anxiety, your serotonin levels are already lower. So when you have something like dopamine that boosts the chemicals that are already depleted, the brain's going to want more. So is it addiction or is it more so you're getting the chemicals that your brain has needed? Now, a lot of times parents are like, well, I try to get my kid off and they lose their entire shit. I mean, if I put dino chicken nuggies right in front of you and you're on your last nuggie and you were looking forward to that last nuggie and I take them away, you're going to be pretty pissed off too. And that's pretty much what's happening with the video games. So, okay. How do I get my kid off the game then so that they can do their homework so they can go to sleep? Are you saying that I should just let my kid game? No. No, what I'm saying is get them to a place where the dopamine can slowly start coming down and they can end. What does this look like? Setting a visual timer. Have your child set that timer. Put a giant 15 minute timer, 20 minute timer, however long you're giving for your child, have it in front of them so that they can see it. When I work with my kids all the time, we end with Roblox time. So when it comes time for the end of sessions, my kid's not going to be happy. So what I do is like, all right, kiddo, we have about 15 minutes left. All right, kiddo, we have about 10 minutes left, five minutes left. I have to go in a couple of minutes. I'm giving them that reminder so that they know, okay, we're ending soon. What you can also do is join in with them. If you're not already, I'm already playing with them. So it's a lot easier for me to pull out. And I know a lot of these games. So that's also a thing. Play with them. Know where the game ends. But also, rather than having a set time of, okay, 15 minutes, you're done. Check in with them when there's about five minutes left. Guide them to a safe point. Yep. Maybe wait for the campaign to be over and then have them come off. Join in with them. Be like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, cool. What are we going to do next time? That way you're going to Pull, of them, pull them out, and then you don't want to pull them out of game time and then have them do like math homework, right? You want to pull them out and add more of a neutral stimulus, whether it be mindful breathing, coloring, playing outside, playing with Legos. That way you still have that extension of dopamine, but their brain's able to shift back. Because basically what you're doing is you're taking away the kid's crack, so to speak, not in the addicting sense, but you're taking away something that's causing all these happy chemicals. It, it hurts the brain quite literally, the brain's going to freak out, which is why you're seeing your kid lose their shit.
1: Absolutely. And I love how you use those, those prompts of the timing to like how to navigate the quote-unquote meltdowns or the temper tantrums that happens when you're working with kids um and also recognizing like temper tantrums and meltdowns are not exclusive to kids
0: (laughs) I'm I'm there I'm there if you try talking to me while I'm gaming I'm going to yell at you like that is almost a guarantee
1: right? And so understanding and like really having the space to be like, yo, this was a really good experience. I'm so glad we got to do this. Would you like to do this again next time? What could we do next time? Like having that prompt of having them be able to identify something to look forward to is so crucial, so important because that's getting your buy-in. That's having somebody know that this isn't just take away. It's over. It's never going to happen again. It's like, you know, maybe we, we could definitely do this again. This isn't something that it ends. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like we did this. It was a fun experience. And maybe I'm going to come back next time and we'll do it again. Or maybe we'll try something totally new. Right. And so understanding that there is a space to be able to do the wind down. Right? Because I I always, I use that as well. I use it in a different context, but I love how you talked about the positive, the neutral and the negative, right? That is so crucial for people to be able to understand the balance and the spectrum of it all of, hey, if we had this really stimulating uh, experience and it was super positive and we got our dopamine, which which created that serotonin release and we're feeling it, right? then maybe we want to get to like a neutral point. How do we bring them back down? How do we wind down? Right. How do we get them to the space of being like, okay, this is it. We're going to do this next time. This is how we can talk about this. This is how we can relate it. And then they can be on their way. It doesn't have to be a crash and burn situation. Right.
0: Absolutely. And that, that drop that you highlighted, it's not exclusive to video games. I used to LARP and it was called post game drop or post-con depression because you have that serotonin. And most often you're in this place where you feel so understood and so loved and supported. And then you have to go back to real life where sometimes we aren't so loved and we aren't so supported so you're going to see that shift right so just as we talked about how geek therapy isn't just video games I kind of wanted to explore board games a little bit more Chris. I know this is your bread and butter in your domain
1: yeah absolutely so when we talk about board games I'm not going to say like there's one board game that fits all like if you have a specific board game that you really like go for it Not a problem, but specifically like ones that I've used in therapy that I really enjoy. There are so many to highlight. So I'm not gonna sit here and bore you with an extensive list but the big ones, I think you already like the heavy hitters. I loved the idea of like therapy monopoly. That's wonderful. Like I definitely need to try that one myself. Um, But life, life is a big one to play with kiddos or even teens and talk about to see how they make certain choices, right? And to see how their minds, uh, what their values, what their traditions are, like what their idea or their understanding of their worldview is when it comes to life. That's how awesome the game life is and how you can use that to your advantage. Um, Another one could be Clue right some people are out there they really play clue and it's so fun to to experience that there are super cool games like uh outside of clue like you can definitely try candyland with the smaller kiddos candyland is a big one in the therapeutic space kids love it there's two different versions there's the actual board game where it's like a tabletop one and there's one that's bigger like you actually walk around it um yeah, it is super cool. You like, have like these big cards and like that's how you play the, the Candy Land. It's super cute. I love it. You can play that. that like I know, so I know, I know, I know. It's not Target. Them,
0: but. then again, I, speaking of Target, I just bought myself a bubble machine. So. Oh my God. <laughs> but that actually brings me to another point. And when adults find out I do video game therapy, it's seriously like they were a kid again. And yeah. that's what I love about gaming with my adults. So many of us have forgotten what it's like to be a kid. So sometimes playing board games and doing fun shit is cathartic, right? Absolutely,
1: and it doesn't have to be exclusive to the, the iconic ones or the run of the mill ones. There are so many different games that you can play.
0: I have so many. Oh, I used so to have it. many. Me. I used to have it behind me, but I have a game called Super Fight. And okay. I love playing this with my families or my couples. So you don't have to use just geek therapy one on one. You can use it in a couple session, you can use it in a family session, but like it takes two is so good. Oh my God. For I, I was ready I to, I was like, you know, I love that game.
1: I never considered the D word, but. Uh. <laughs>
0: That book, The Book of Love or whatever it's called, it's it's, it's this little like like Spanish book that is <laughs> like, you guys have to love each other to get along and- Reconnect, and, and like reconnect the flame of your love. <laughs> and it's so hard. So in this game, you're basically playing together as parents that were turned into dolls because the, the parents were getting divorced. They were fighting all the time. Yep. The kid overheard it cried onto these dolls and her tears turned the parents into the dolls. And so the whole premise of the game is you're trying to get back and turn back into humans, but you have to navigate the kid's world. So it's kind of cool to see yeah. everything in the kid's perspective of fantasy and how basically her octopus toy is this like cracking thing and you're in a boat. And then the queen of the castles is toy elephant and all these things are trying to kill you, but you have a certain set of abilities. The other player has a certain set of abilities and you have to communicate and work together. Mm-hmm. There was a time where my significant other and I, we were fighting all the time, but we were able to work on communication and getting along with this game by playing together. Now we mm-hmm. do like Minecraft together and things like that. And it's super fun just to explore this, this world. But with Super Fight, it's fun because you you pull these absurd cards you have two characters with abilities so you can have like a bodybuilder who every time he sneezes he shoots lasers but he can time travel versus a six foot velociraptor where everything they touch turns to hummus and they shoot staples from their forearms
1: I got to check out
0: this game. Right. It's super so fun. You, you have to argue who would win. Huh? In that imaginary battle. So what I like to do is work on fair fighting rules. And I have a no button. No. Target. It's amazing. But I have a no button where if they break a fair fighting rule. This is my last word. I've had this thing for three years and I have not replaced the batteries once. Wow. I love this thing. But basically if they break a fair fighting rule, I'll hit the button, then I'll ask, okay, what happened? And I have them identify what rule was broken and how we can remedy it. And then we start over. So you can use games to work hands on what you need to work on in therapy therapy doesn't have to be boring yeah that's such a common misconception about it but i'll use super fight i'll use cards against humanity i used apples to apples once with this these two boys who hated each other but also they didn't respect mom right and they thought mom was boring mom didn't get them you know typical teenage sons you know preteen with the mom trying to run the house right yeah mom was so fucking hilarious my god like I was playing with them too and they kept thinking I picked them but mom was coming up with some funny shit and they are losing their minds but this was the first time they saw mom as hilarious and this was the first time they saw mom as cool and it just shifted the whole dynamic so then they started having family game nights all because we did video games or we played games together it could be card games it could be and you could throw it in your bag for therapy easily right but even families listening family game night it's so much fun. My parents hated video games. I was part of the Grand Theft Auto generation where all they saw was violence, but I was also the asshole who would totally steal cars and get five stars up that thing, like evading cops like crazy, but I'm chaos incarnate. So to them, they're like, what the hell is this this world? And when they found out I did video game therapy, they're like, You went to school for that, (laughs) but yeah, I am a therapy unicorn, hence the little unicorn horn on my my thingy. Because there's not a lot of video game therapists, let's be real, let alone female. Yeah. So I'd like to hear, we kind of touched on this, but how do you use, or better question, because we talked about how we use it in session. What is your favorite game to use and what do you use it for?
1: Oh, that's a hard one. Okay. Does it have to be, uh, I feel like I have a different answer versus the the type. So okay. <laughs> like, okay. Like for like family versus like just the kiddo. I feel like there's a different answer.
0: Okay. Okay. We'll go with both. Cause I shared my family one. So it's only better. Okay. Okay. Okay.
1: So I love Jack party. Ooh. Okay. I don't know if you guys, like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but, uh, so they have like different iterations of it. Um, I think there's like, I don't know, like nine or something like that. I don't know how many there are, but, um, it is totally a fun family game that you can play. I play it with my family too. It's the funniest shit ever. I promise you they have like this. Um, I can't remember if it's five or seven. It's one of those where they have this one where they give you a prompt and everybody has to respond to the prompt. Right. And so, and then we all get to choose the funniest one. Right. So the prompts will be like stupid, they'll be like really stupid. And they'll be like, um, like, <laughs> something like what, what you what you would say to, um, uh, to, uh, what your grandfather would say, uh, at a funeral or some shit. What would you say to your grandfather at a funeral? And then people would be like, uh, yo, like, <laughs> what are you signing up for the new, uh, the, the new club or some shit like that? <laughs> it'll be like off the wall comments that is like wow that's really fucked up but that was really funny like and so then you have to like vote for like the most popular one and then like it reveals like who's the one that said it because you get the points
0: um it's kind of like cards against humanity but with like phrases yeah with phrases it's
1: hilarious it's the funniest thing like i cannot i cannot recall like there was the funniest one, like I could not recall exactly what the phrase was, but I remember my little brother is 13, like he won. And my mom was just like through. I don't remember what the phrase was, but I remember his response was, uh, who's your, who's your dad?"
0: T- <laughs> <laughs> See, I love... <laughs> That's the thing. You never find out how fucked up your family is until you play games during family holidays. Like, I played Cards Against Humanity and my mother-in-law, the sweetest, like, Christian lady ever, pulled out the most fucked up cards and... Like, I remember I played with my dad, right? My dad, this was the oh first God. time ever playing. I expected him. Like my dad, for those of you who don't know, he's Santa at South Coast. So he's like this like big Pittsburgh, like big belly Santa, basically. My personality in Santa's body. And he's he's super sweet. I love him, but I didn't expect him to pull out the most what the fuck cards. And the one that I still remember to this day was someone played what killed grandma. Wow. <laughs> he put seven dicks at the same time. I'm like, dad, <laughs> 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 no, and then to go the more fucked up route, it was um, oh. gave me uncontrollable gas and he put Jews and I'm like, dad, no
1: (laughs) that game see i play cards against the net he too but i play the hood version which is urban dictionary
0: (laughs) see i need to play that i played incoherent i also love um what do you meme and then there's the other one, Telestration, Telestration's telestration. After Dark. Okay. I love that one. That one's really good for nonverbal communication. Maybe not the After Dark one, but unless you're working with adults, not your thing. But Telestration, it's kind of like telephone meets Pictionary. Wow. So you have to draw something and then like you draw something and then you pass your little thing to the next person and they have to try to guess what the word is. So they write Uh the word and then the next person has to draw a picture for that word. And then at the end, you see the final word and how different it was from the original drawing. Mm. And it is so funny. Like typically it is so far off. It's not even funny
1: that's hilarious
0: but, but like okay so like if it's like teens you gotta
1: you kind of have to be creative it has to be yeah. something that is really like something that they're into because otherwise te- teens can't go either way they can be like really into it and it can be like yeah no fuck this. <laughs> so,
0: my favorite thing to do with teens though is tiktok in the mm. sense that I'll either have them learn like a difficult dance. I had one kiddo who just loved TikTok dances. So each week as part of helping them boost their self-esteem, they would show me a dance that they learned. And for other teens, I'd be like, all right, so let's flip to a random video only to tell me what emotion is being conveyed with this video. Mm. If it's a funny video, humor. If it's, you know, one of those super sad sob stories, you know, maybe Mm. sadness right? Or if it's like a mental health one, probably anxiety. So you can use the teen's world without being cringy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can absolutely do that.
0: Especially
1: if there's like a particular thing that they're into. Like Mm -hmm. one of my teens, we talked about like one of the YouTubers that they really like, um, and they were talking about like Twilight and I was like, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's see, Let's, let's see it. And we watched it together and then we talked about like Team Jacob versus Team Edward. <laughs> oh,
0: I've had that argument so many
1: times. Right? So many or times. or like, you know, like I'll do the, I also do the memes and people will show me like the ones, the mental health ones, which are...
0: I love the mental health memes.
1: They're hilarious. There was like this one where this guy had like, de- he had like depression and anxiety and it was showing you like him in the bed, like, I don't want to get out of bed and then the anxiety was like, look at it go, we at it go. <laughs>
0: That's a mood. See, I have clients who send me TikToks all the time and I'll send TikToks right back. It's fun. A lot of times my clients have the same for you page that I do, but it's that communication of I see you, I get you. Yeah, Like, I'm not saying go friend your clients and become besties or anything, but in using their language, whether it be TikTok or Instagram memes or whatever, you know, you can be like, hey, saw this thought of you or, you know, funny shit that you've talked about in session or, you know, your client relates with. Yeah. It can be really therapeutic and really helped with the rapport, let me tell you. I have clients who have stayed with me Yeah, since like 2019, I have clients who have stayed with me for years because of the rapport. And they all hit their goals with flying colors because of rapport. And I don't have a hidden secret. I don't have tips and tricks aside from joining with my clients and actually giving a shit about their world outside of therapy. That's it. That's That's all it boils down to, really
1: that's all it comes down to. And sometimes there might be a game or two that even your client doesn't know. But if they're like, oh, I'd be down to learn. Do it. Absolutely do it. You guys can learn together. It's fun. It doesn't have to be video games. If video games is not your thing, okay. Try board games. Try card games. Try comic books and role play. Or try trading card games. Like whatever. Like it doesn't have to be specific. Like you can find something that you're okay with trying. And that would mean the world to them. It's about connection, guys.
0: It really is. It really is. Well, I'd love to move into marketing. I'm going to take a quick pause so I can grab some fun stuff that I would love to show off. So I'll be right back. All right. If you're following me on Instagram, you probably already know what I'm going to promote. Um, if you are the parents of one of my child or kid teens and are listening to this, no, you're not. Um, I had to find a way to get my dopamine outside of session. I mean, I'm a video game therapist. So sometimes I just really don't want to game again after therapy. So I decided to crochet. Now... <laughs> I couldn't figure out a crochet pattern to save my life. So I went to TikToks. Again, TikTok coming in clutch for hobbies. Seriously. So I made a crochet ball. See, Chris is laughing because she knows where this is going. (laughs) But uh, I made a ball and I was like, this was fun. I'm going to make another ball. So I made another ball. And of course, my perverted mind was like, what if I take a ball and go like this? So that's exactly what I did. This is Richard.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any means, but I swear to you, it looks so much smaller in the
0: picture. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a grower, not a shower. Okay. So, <laughs> okay, the picture did look tiny. Okay. What? Ellie! No, he's nice and big so you can cuddle with him at night, you know? Cause we all we all need some dick in our life. Or maybe you want to gift the dick in your life with a dick of their own. It's cute. I also make uncircumcised ones, which I have them on my website. I don't have it with me because I gave it to the officiant of my wedding. You can see what type of vibes I'm going to have, but i they come with veins, they come with happy faces, they come with pubes, Aww. if you'd like. I also made Buddy. <gasps> That's right, look at Buddy. A cute, little, a cute little marijuana leaf. And I made Spliffy. <sighs> That's so cute. And I made Mushy. So if you want one of these maybe not these in particular because they're mine but if you want one of these goodies and I also pack every single order with some extra fun care goodies but if you want your own crochet plush buddy he's made out of blanket material this motherfucker is soft as hell but ooh bernat he is so soft look at that yeah it looks like he is bernat so yarn yes i don't even know what type of yarn but it's soft and it's stuffed so if you want your own dick, and let me tell you, they make really fun projectiles in an argument, I am just saying. But if you want your own, go to happylittlebrains.com slash merchandise. It is password protected because again, I work with kids. So the password is easy to remember, buy my stuff, one word. any marketing any promotion no no
1: marketing but i do want to give a big shout out to everybody that came to the um marketing webinar i had on uh wednesday through camp you guys came in full force we had a big showing and if i have any other um stuff that we're gonna have come up in the upcoming months, I will let you guys know because I want to see your faces. I want to hear what you're doing. I want to learn more about the schools that you went to, what you're learning. And if you want to learn more about me, you can definitely check out my Instagram at paladinmft, or you can go to my website, www.paladinmft.com. Come check out your girl.
0: And if you are listening, if you are a clinician, if you're a student, if you're licensed, if you're a coach or mental health professional, reach out. We would love to have you on the couch. So it's going to be a fun time. Coming up, we'll have imposter syndrome again. I won't be here next week, but Christy will be here to host. I apologize for last week. We had some technical issues, but I am so glad you guys joined us for video games. I'm hoping that more will be encouraged to go to therapy because let's be real. Therapy doesn't have to be boring. Yeah. You can get clinicians like us. absolutely i'm a bomb ass therapist (laughs) just saying just saying thank you guys for joining us drink water you dehydrated noodles take care of your heart and make sure you're holding space for yourself self-care play some video game you're welcome yep you're welcome and with that have a great night y'all bye guys